Well, I think very appropriately enough, our first reading from Genesis sets the tone for uh, this homily that I'd like to uh, give you this morning. And if we can, for a moment, enter into the experience of our father Abraham. Abraham being asked to sacrifice his only son, the one he loved, the one through whom the promise was going to be fulfilled. If we can imagine the the dread, the anguish, and yet the resolve, the resignation, the the obedient determination on the part of Abraham to do what God asked him to do. And then in contrast to that dread, that anguish, the joy that Abraham must have experienced when the angel appeared to him and says, Don't, don't do it. Hold your hand. The kind of relief. It was as if Isaac was risen from the dead. And that's what we have here. We have in today's readings and in the the theme, the liturgical theme for today, is the glory and the joy of the resurrection of Christ, but also his suffering and his passion. And his passion as a means to his glory. If you were here two weeks ago, I believe it was at 7 o'clock Mass here this morning, I preached on the passion of Christ. And we meditated upon the the very kind of gruesome uh, suffering that our Lord went through. But that gruesome suffering of Good Friday was not the end of the story. And the end of the story was the glory and the joy of Easter Sunday when our Lord rose from the dead. And we see this, actually, in the experience of the Mount of Transfiguration. If we can take this experience of Peter and James and John and put it against this Old Testament background, we can detect an actual contrast going on uh, between the Mount of Transfiguration and Mount Sinai, in fact. The Old Testament story of Moses on Mount Sinai. First of all, there's two mountains. We've got Mount Tabor on the one hand, Mount Sinai on the other. But also at Mount Sinai, if you'll recall, the voice of the Lord booms from heaven and gives to the children of Israel the Ten Commandments in an audible voice from heaven. And so also on Mount Tabor, we have the voice of the Father booming from the cloud, saying, This is my beloved Son. And then also, in the story of the uh, of Mount Sinai, Moses goes up Mount Sinai, and when he comes down, his face, as a result of that experience on Mount Sinai, his face is luminous, and it's, it's uh, emitting light, and a, and a kind of glory. And so also we see Christ becoming luminous, and his glory being revealed to us on, Mount, uh, on the Mount of Transfiguration. Christ's luminosity, his, that glorious shining that takes place and that we behold in the Mount of Transfiguration, is really all about his resurrection. It's a revelation of his resurrection glory. And this is uh, hinted at at the end of our Gospel passage when it says, And they were coming down from the mountain. Jesus charged them not to relate what they had seen to anyone except when the Son of Man had risen from the dead. So Christ's resurrection is given to us as the background by which we are to understand the transfiguration. And then, of course, Mount Sinai helps us see that as well. 
But there's a difference between Mount Tabor, the Mount of Transfiguration on the one hand, and Mount Sinai on the other. With Mount Sinai, it's very clear that it's Moses' face that is luminous, and he has to veil his face so that the children of Israel are not afraid of him when he speaks to them. But our text here today in the Gospel is very clear that it says Jesus' garments became white and luminous. His garments. The implication here is that Jesus' body, it's his body, not just his face, not just his head, but his entire body became luminous and began to emit a glorious light. And so this passage is teaching us not just about Christ's resurrection, but about our resurrection. Because we are the body of Christ. And the Old Testament law, as represented by Moses, it was not, uh, it didn't have the power to bring us ultimately to glory. But Christ our Lord in the New Testament dispensation has the power to bring us, his mystical body, to glory. And so that's the difference between the old and the new. And this passage should be for us a passage of hope. Because it's about our resurrection as well as Christ's. It's about our joy on the other side of our suffering. In the resurrection, my brothers and sisters, we will be whole, we will be entire. If we're missing any limbs, if we're suffering any disease, if we are, if we have cancer, if we are a paraplegic in this world, in the resurrection, if we should attain unto it, we will be whole and entire and healthy and sound of body for eternity. And we will not be subject to corruption. We will not be subject to decay. It will be an indestructible life by which we live. And we will emit glory. We will be luminous. And one will shine as the stars and another will shine as the sun. And another will shine as the moon depending upon how much grace and how much love we have lived our lives with in this earth. And so it's a great hope for us. But there's the cross. The cross is also hinted at and spoken to us today through our readings. Of course, from our first text, we have this phenomenally incredible Old Testament prefiguration of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. In, this, in Abraham's sacrifice of Isaac, the sacrifice of Christ is foreshadowed. Our second reading from St. Paul, he says, He who did not spare his own son, but handed him over for us all. And then, of course, we have the voice from heaven, from the cloud on the Mount of Transfiguration, who says, This is my beloved son. And when God the Father speaks that from heaven, it's meant for us to remember that beloved son of Isaac, uh, of Abraham. It's that son that Paul mentions in Romans. And so there's this connection with the Son of God who went to the cross for us. And then more importantly, this passage from our Gospel is Mark chapter 9. But in Mark chapter 8, just before we read about the Transfiguration, Christ, for the first time, predicts His passion. He says, He began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things, and be rejected by the elders, and be killed, and after three days be raised from the dead. 
And then Peter, as we recall, Peter opposes him. He says, God forbid, Lord, this shall not happen to you. And Jesus has to rebuke Peter. And he says, get behind me, Satan. You are not mindful of the things of God, but of the things of man. And isn't that so true with us? We want the glory of the resurrection, but we don't want the cross that precedes it. But this is what Lent is all about. It's about the cross. It's about penance. And so in our lives, we have suffering. We have suffering that comes to us when we try to do the right thing, when we resist that inborn tendency within us to commit sin, that which is called, in a technical theological language, concupiscence. It's all, it's within us. And there's this tendency for us, for our wills to be bent on doing what is wrong. But by God's grace, we can resist that tendency. And when we put up that kind of fight, there's suffering that's involved. Then there's the suffering uh, that we experience in our bodies through sickness, through disease, through long-term hospitalization. There's suffering in our relationships when our loved ones are in the hospital for a long time. When we have to take care of a spouse for 20 years because, uh, you know, they're physically not able to take care of themselves. When there is a death of a loved one, God forbid even the death of a son or a daughter, when they, when children precede, uh, their parents, it's a great tragedy. There's uh, subtle persecution you might undergo for doing the right thing. There's misunderstandings. There's hard feelings. We suffer financial difficulties. We think of today, uh, you know, all, 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 all of our brothers and sisters, our Christian brothers and sisters in Iraq and Syria. And I would encourage you to keep abreast as to what's happening to our Christian brothers and sisters in these areas. They're undergoing great persecution. There was recently two to three hundred um, Christians that were kidnapped by these terrorist groups. And uh, probably, most likely, they're going to be filmed and killed on video. And uh, this is what's happening all over the world. So we as Christians, we suffer. There's no doubt about it. But if we, this Lenten season, voluntarily undertake various penances and sufferings, it will give meaning to the sufferings that we have not chosen for ourselves. And we'll be able to voluntarily enter into the mystery of Christ's suffering. And he will suffer through us when we do it out of love. And he will strengthen us and he will enable us to go on. And Good Friday is not the end. Remember, Easter Sunday comes afterwards. Through our sufferings and because of them, glory and joy will come to us. And so this is what we celebrate in the, the, the commemoration of the Transfiguration today, is that it's through passion of the passion of Christ that the glory of Christ and our glory is revealed.